for sure. So- how do you how do you balance that? How do you announce the roles so you you, know, you can keep the family mm-hmm. uh, together while keeping it professional? So I think what we do is we have one um, we have a systemized and unsystemized meetings, right? So okay. uh, we have weekly meetings every Sunday that so that we know we're in business mode. So anything that's dealing with the parents or with the son is not in this and not in this specific area. So that's that's uh what I like to call non-negotiable, right? That's fixed. Then you have flexible, right? So then the flexible is what people tend to not be able to 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 target, which is where we have to announce. So the flexibles is where we announce. The fixed is where we don't have to announce because it's fixed. We know that this is the mode that we're in. Look, I'm talking to you all every single episode about how to be able to create a six-figure digital empire. And some of y'all haven't taken action yet. Y'all just, for some reason, life haven't slapped you in the face yet where it's like, yo, I'm tired of being at the place that I'm in right now. I'm tired of working my nine to five. I want to create a business. I want to become an entrepreneur. I'm tired of working for someone else when they don't even care about me. Look. I have something for you. I was working a nine to five, literally not even a year ago or at actually it's been, it's going to be a year this year that I have been able to leave my nine to five to be able to come to you guys and show you how I was able to leave working at Papado, 101 Steak, Ruth Chris, all hospitality places y'all to now being able to break hundred K months literally this is what happened let me tell you i was able to break 100k months in six months to be more exact and i'm going to show you exactly how i was able to do it and how exactly i was able to do it from working a job creating multiple four to five figures while working my nine to five to then leaving my nine to five to then scaling my business y'all i'm going to show you how to fund your business with not without using your own money there's so many things in this book that I could be charging tens of thousands of dollars and I'm going to share with you how exactly I did it in t- with, with pennies of the dollar. It costs $10, y'all. Worst case scenarios, you learn something more and profit off of it. Okay? So look, click the link, the digitalempireebook.com. Get the ebook, y'all. You literally just get the ebook. What's going on YouTube? It has been a minute since I have come out with a normal video like this. I want to do more like this just to let you all know. I'm going to be posting more often on my YouTube channel. I want to post uh, you know, some things about the podcast, some vlogs as well as some normal content just like this. Um so look out for those. Look out. I'm really really working hard to post more and give you all more consistency. So to go back to what I was saying before, welcome back and today i actually have an amazing video for you um one of the podcasts that i was uh you know uh, honored and, and and guest on uh the name of it uh is actually called after hours entrepreneurs podcast and uh, i actually broke down some really really good tips for entrepreneurs like yourself people who want to actually get in this space and uh, i wanted to really break down how exactly i was able to scale our business uh from 2000 to 100k a month and i really want to make sure that you all have all the intricacies on how exactly i did that and and what things i put in place so i want you all to check out this video make sure you like comment and subscribe this is what you really need i'm telling you i did break down a whole lot a lot of gyms that most people will pay me thousands to go over so hopefully you all enjoy and i'll see you in the next one yo marcus what's up
How you doing? How you doing? Good, man. Good to be here. Talk shop today. I love what you and your family are doing over there. It's social currency. So I want to talk about the business. I want to talk about the strategies that you're implementing uh, because mm-hmm. here at the After Hours Entrepreneur, we're about building businesses, baby. Six figures and up. Let's go. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. So uh, you, whenever you want me to go ahead and get started, I can I can introduce myself and do everything right now. Um, well, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Knock it up. Okay, cool. So my name is Marcus Turner, also known as Chart Slayer in the space that I'm in. But uh, in, when it comes to the actual entrepreneurship realm, I am named uh, Chart Slayer. But uh, what we do is we help uh, struggling small business owners systemize, fund, and scale their business. Um, so that's a key thing that we do. And we exist to uh, break uh, a thousand families' uh, generational curses within their household. Well, I dig it, you know, and that's really what the show is about. It's about empowering people to pave that path. You know, I really believe that if you get focused, if you're able to to learn, to apply yourself and actually take action, you can completely change your life. 100%. And, I, you know, I think that's a good place to start, Marcus, you know, as I was listening to your your show, uh, The Digital Empire, mm-hmm. you, you had mentioned that, you know, you kind of had a rough upbringing. You know, yeah. got kicked out of high school, you were arrested, you're dealing with the criminal justice system, but you've really made a focus on redefining yourself. Mm-hmm. So could you walk me through how you were redefining yourself, um, both intrinsically and extrinsically? For sure. So I would say when, so to, to start off, so, so it'll actually make sense on why I made the decision intrinsically and extrinsically. I got kicked out of high school for uh, paraphernalia, I guess you could say, but for marijuana, you know. Um, I got kicked out um, and went to an alternative school, graduated early, right? Um, So I never, there was never a intelligent deficiency when it came to what I do. But what I would say is, what made things change and gotten arrested and this is then the third um i would say when did i make a decision that 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 lifestyle wasn't the best decision i would say in i would say honestly I feel like it was a gradual thing. I don't think it was like a, a smack dead, like, hey, I don't think life smacked me in the in the face enough to be like, hey, you should, you know, switch your life around. You should. I think it was more of a gradual thing over time where, you know, a person just grows out of being a male and starts to become a man, if that makes sense. This is just my personal um upbringing i remember i don't know if you've read this book or heard of this book called male versus man but um there was a a quote or proverb i guess you could say in that book that says um a male seeks to be serviced and a man seeks to be of service so for me at that point i was uh i just got tired of being serviced where everybody should come to me and at some point i should be uh, be of service and look to serve other people. And I think this is just over time, my mind just started to switch. Um, now in regards to extrinsic, extrinsically, we're like, I just started uh, changing my associates. If that makes sense. Um, the environment that I was in was no longer the environment that I was, uh, in after that time period, like the, the people that were still, let's be real. The people that are, that, that are in that area or that era are still doing things that 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 when i got kicked out 
right now i don't smoke um i only i guess social drink i'm not a drinker like that like i used to be um i'm focused um i i am big on uh scaling big on building big on relationships you know those core things so i think to answer your question is in a moral sense intrinsically it was a gradual thing extrinsically it was just more of i changed my associates in my environment let's face it you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. <laughs> for sure right it, it that's it's it's just the truth and so mm-hmm. when you start surrounding yourself and in, in inputting positive inputs listening to the right podcasts reading the right books watching mm-hmm. the right television shows uh it 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 just impacts everything in your life the, the you know so i was talking to chris doe the other day he's the founder of the future about this idea of a compelling event because you know <laughs> i don't exact i mean like i wouldn't say i've had the hardest life it hasn't been the mm-hmm. roughest life but i have not always been motivated i have not always been a reader um right. i've been overweight i've gone down the um the lane of of using drugs and not being focused Mm. Um, and you know, I don't necessarily know that there was a specific compelling event for me, kind of like you, mm-hmm. but I feel like there's breadcrumbs in, yeah. I mean, it, it feels like there has to be a certain breaking point where we, we, we just recognize and we're kind of true to ourselves that like, yeah, mm-hmm. we, I need to change. I need to get rid of the bad habits and start the good. 100%. Are there, are there any, is there anything that you do Marcus to try to eliminate bad habits and replace them with good habits? I would say what I do is journal a lot. Um, I think that a lot of people uh, aren't aware of bad habits. So I made it my priority to be aware of them. And in order for me to be aware is journaling every single week um, and reflecting on my week. So I would say that those things helped me uh, to be able to further... um, those habits. And then I, and then the key thing is just me being able to do that consistently. Uh, Mm. I think the consistency aspect, I think is what you were talking about. The breadcrumbs, um, around that time when though, when, when I got kicked out and everything is when coincidentally the journaling started to occur. So I think the more I got aware consistently, I think that's what really switched my mentality. So I would say just journaling is really what made me aware to be able to shift where I was. I love that. I was reading Atomic Habits by James Cleary last night, and he mentioned that journaling is a good way of kind of like fleshing out ideas. Yeah. Being true to yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do you go public with those ideas or do you keep them private? Is that like just your private journal Mm -hmm. or do you go public? Um, I, it kind of depends on the scenario, right? Like the ideas I may, like the specific ideas in the book, I may go public and maybe talk talk to them like about the like you know how you tell your story like maybe the circumstances of telling my story to where i got to where i am right now yes but usually my book the the book of where i journal is usually private because those are like personal feelings personal emotions stuff like that that uh that are more for like internal internal things does that make sense like they're not really yeah. for like the external, but like the, like in my journal, there are there's a brain dumping aspect where whatever ideas I have, I put in there, and then if the ideas are actually relevant and they make sense and will actually benefit, then I do execute on them. No, and I I, I agree with you about that that brain dump idea, <laughs> and it's good that you're brain dumping into a into a journal and not when yeah. you're explaining what you do to people. Mm-hmm. I 
So I suffered from this pretty badly when I was starting my business. I run a podcast production agency uh, mm-hmm. and, and coaching program uh, to help busy professionals build status and sales with podcasts. Mm-hmm. But it took me a really long time to get clear on that. And this is, I think, an epidemic of young entrepreneurs. Somebody asks you what you do. And you're like, well, it's funny you ask. And then you proceed to give a 10-minute monologue about right. what you do. Facts. Yeah, and, yeah, and that's a sure. problem, right? Like, I, I, we, we live in this day and age where attention spans are pretty quick. Like, right. you got to get to the point. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and this idea of journaling, I think, is a good way of, of trying to get that clarity. Right. Um, one of the positives for me, and I don't know if you've done this as well, Marcus, is... I'll I'll kind of test my ideas on friends and family. So I would just, you know, this podcast, for example, I was explaining, I was having a really hard time figuring out the name for the show, The After mm-hmm. Hours Entrepreneur. It took me a long time. Eventually, I was just in a, a car ride with my wife, and I just started explaining what the show was about, and I got that moment of brilliance. Yeah. Has there been, has there been a time where you're kind of like explaining your ideas either to your journal or to a family member that gave you a moment of brilliance like that? For sure. I actually go by the philosophy of not trying to figure things out until they come organically. Okay. Like I actually go by that philosophy, like names, titles, uh, like clothing brands, like merch, stuff like that. I literally will only allow it to come to me organically because I know if it's organic, then that means that's something that's actually important to me and my, and my values. Right. So if I like try to come up with something, I then have to doubt, okay, is this what I really want? Is this how it goes? Like the digital empire that was a organic word. You know what I mean? Um, legacy that we have, the merch that we have, legacy is a organic word. Um, chart Slayer was an organic phrase, right? Like, so these things um, are usually just organic. And I, and I, and I strive to, do, to just keep it organic with everything that I do. I like, you know, people could definitely feel when stuff feels forced. So I, I, I like that idea. So I want to, kind of go a little bit deeper into what you're doing now, right? Social mm-hmm. currency is the business that you're running with family, right? Right. So can you explain to me how you got involved in social currency, how the family got together and started building that business? Absolutely. So it started off um, originally as a financial literacy company, which it still is, right? But I think we're now transitioning to more of uh, business and scaling and, and such like that. Um, but we start off as a financial literacy at, into like Forex, options, stocks, stuff, stuff of those nature. And I think that, um, that over time, especially when we started to get to 2020, um, we had a really, really good year, right? Um, I think we were pushing a half a mil on that year. And I think everybody who was digital in that space really did a good, had a good time in 2020. And, but we realized that, we did not have any ideas on how to manage our finances. We knew financial literacy and making money, but we didn't know how to keep it. Okay. Right. So we had to uh, do a lot of research, hire certain people to in order to get us to where we are right now, which is learning how to keep our money, sustain our money and multiply it. Right. So I think from there is when we kind of created the social currencies uh Sinatra, because social currency is all about talking about money, being about money. Uh, so that's kind of like how we came up with that. And then we were just like, OK, what people do we need in our business owners wise in order to have this come to life? Right. And so we started looking outside of our family. Right. And then we just found out that some people just didn't fit. 
and we realized that the only re the only reason why people actually paid attention to us is because we ran as a unit as a family right so then that's what made us say you know what let's just have our owners within the family right and so Do that's you mean what like kind of the, about that sorry mm -hmm. I'm, just, I'm trying to get clear a little more clarity on that so do you mean that it was hard to kind of trust an outsider to come in and take a, an important part? Do you mean that you were building a business that was really reliant on your personal brand? Which, right. let's face it, there's only one Marcus Turner out there. You cannot outsource yourself. Yeah, which facts. is which is yeah. which is a problem. I think that you know the that we face here as creators building cr mm -hmm. businesses in the creator economy. Is is that what you mean, or could you clarify? Yeah. So what I so there that was part of it. The other part was um, finding someone that fit our values as a company, right? So our values is family first, solution driven. Um, those are some of our values that uh, that we have within our company, and some of them just didn't match it, right? Because family first would entail that you have to have a family that matches our values, right? And so we couldn't find someone that was like that. The only way, the only people that fit our values was our own family. And so we had to figure out a way to, for all of us to be able to, because when you're having business with your family, there's a fine line, <laughs> especially right. when it's your mother, your dad, like there's their mother and their, their parents first before business. And so we had to find that fine line and actually announce what role we're in. And so that's some of the things that we had to, uh, to, to do oh we're in business mode oh we're in we're in parent mode or we're in son mode and so that's kind of the things that um we did as uh as a whole in order for this to work does that make sense so that's kind of kinda, the reasons I, why i, I want to clarify what you mean by roles it reminds me of something that i i heard from trent dilfer trent dilfer uh super bowl nfl champion yep. was mm -hmm. was on one of my shows a few years ago and that was called the awesome dad show mm. and he mentioned a concept that was pretty similar to what you're talking about marcus he, this is kind of funny is for all the parents out there, they'll understand this. He, he, he would, he mentioned that he was often riding in the car with his daughter. He's driving with the car with his daughter and his daughter would just start telling her all of it, telling him all of her problems. Oh dad, you know, this boy doesn't like me and this teacher and this and that. And he learned as all parents learn is you have to clarify Am I in coaching mode yeah. or am I in listening mode right now? Because mm -hmm. if you try to coach someone who wants you to be in listening mode, it ain't working. It's not working. Yeah, for sure. So how do you how do you balance that? How do you announce the roles so you you, know, you can keep the family mm -hmm. uh, together while keeping it professional? So I think what we do is we have one. Um, we have a systemized and unsystemized meetings, right? So. Okay. Uh, we have weekly meetings every Sunday that so that we know we're in business mode. So anything that's dealing with the parents or with the son is not in this and not in this specific area. So that's that's uh, what I like to call non-negotiable. Right. That's fixed. Then you have flexible. Right. So then the flexible is what people tend to not be able to to, to target, which is where we have to announce. So the flexibles is where we announce the fixed is where we don't have to announce because it's fixed. We know that this is the mode that we're in. So like when we're out, we just say, oh, when kind of a signal that we do is we raise our hands like we're in class. Mm -hmm. Right. So when we raise our hands, we know that, OK, we're in business mode at this point, And then we announce it because this is not enough to know. So we raise our hands, which is a signal. And then we say, hey, I'm in business mode real quick. This is what I have to say. So we do that kind of often um, to be able to shift gears when we're in both of those settings.
What's going on, family? You guys already know I appreciate you for checking out this episode. So you guys know that I've been trading and building high-level skill sets for years now. You see me on my Forex journey, my stock investment journey, my portfolio journey, a day in the life of everything. And so what I wanna do is I wanna give back to you. I wanna make sure that you all learn everything that's in my brain. So what I have done is specifically in regards to skill sets is I've created a course, uh, like a whole course. Like this is the best thing that I've ever come out with since sliced bread, <laughs> right? It's a Forex course on how exactly to build wealth, create high level skill sets. And I want to teach it to you. I want to give back. It's not even like, it's super affordable. Like you could, like your daughter could do it. You see a five-year-old could do it. And that's what I want to help you guys do. I want to give back to you. So if you want to learn exactly how to build high level skill sets, I want you to click this link right here. This link is going to break down everything for you and literally change your whole life. So go check it out. Check out the trade syndicate. Check out the way that we do things. Check out the chart slayer. Check out your boy. All right. See you on the next one. Interesting. Do you ever find that? So I don't want to get into like a generational gap issue here. <laughs> but I find because right. I've worked in a family business too. My my father is an insurance agent, been in the industry mm -hmm. a long time. Um, I tend to find that his ideas on how a business should run are different from the ideas that that yeah. I have is that this should run. <laughs> Yeah. How do you handle disagreements? Um, are there any examples? Have you ever run into a point, yeah. Marcus, where mm -hmm. there's a difference in opinions on how the business should? All go? the time. Probably. So how do, you, how do you do that? How do you, oh, okay, so, tell me, tell me, give it to me. <laughs> so I think, uh, I can't remember what the problem was. It was minute yesterday, but we had, like, there's always like, um, how, like touch points within the business. Like should, this is a common thing that we have. Should we be involved? Because we have virtual assistants, right? So when so we're big on I'm big on delegation. I don't yeah. even want to be involved. If I have to be involved, then there's something's wrong. In her in her eyes, we have to be involved. Our clients know us, so we have to be involved. I'm like, well, that's the reason why we hire people. Why do we need to be involved? So like those are common things. So what we do is sometimes you have to agree to disagree in some areas. There's just no way around it so you operate the way you operate i operate the way i operate and then in some areas we compromise right so we say let's say for example um we just came from an event i'm not uh we went to a circle of ceos event and from there uh we have we have leads we just we go by okay how do we want to do this do we want our vas to call them or do we want us to call them so what we do is we do half and half Half of us call one half of it, and then the other half they call. So then it's kind of like we compromise in that way because in her eyes, we need to talk to them because we're the first touch point. They see mm -hmm. us first. But in my eyes, I'm like, but we're announcing that we have VAs. So of course our VAs have to be the touch points after they see us to show them that we actually have virtual assistance within our business. So like that's, so you just gotta kind of find a balance and that's kind of like how we deal with disagreements is we either agree to disagree or we find a balance. So this, I think this is an interesting way to take the conversation, Marcus. So let's say, you know, you take that approach. Half of half of the people that we met, you know, you and your family would be the primary touch point. Mm -hmm. The other half, VAs will be the, the primary touch point. Right. Do you have a process of going back in and assessing what's working, what's converting at what percentages? Is that something that you're right. looking at? 
Yes. So I'm the COO. So to kind of help in regards to like the roles that you were talking about, and then we'll get into answer your question because it makes sense. I'm the COO of social currencies. My mom's the CEO and my brother's the CMO. My dad's the systems in IT, right? Yeah. So this kind of helps when we, when it comes to checking after the VAs have done their job. So because my brother's the CMO, he deals with the sales and marketing. So anything that's revolving around sales and calling leads and doing X, Y, and Z, he reports that to our founders meeting. Anything dealing with like uh, systems and IT admin and, and hiring, that's me, right? That's my job. I'm responsible for reporting that. And so what happens is we have our, uh, our team, um, we call them family members because we're, one of our values is family first. So we don't call them employees, team, staff. We call them family members. I like that. Okay. So what we do is we have our family members, um, they fill out an end of day report. So the end of day report goes to the department heads, right? And so the department heads then have something called a CMO report, a COO report, um, a CFO report. And so with those reports, they give it to us. And so when we do is with those COO reports, we then uh, talk to them in the founders meeting, which is how we're able to track a lot of the conversions and such. I like the idea of a, an end of day report. Mm. And you know, there's one of the conundrums that you're running into, I'm running into as well, right? And that's <laughs> scaling a business that that requires you to be the face, right? right. If, if someone hires Mark Savant Media to produce their podcast, they're, they're, they're hiring Mark Savant Media. They make, we make decisions based on the way that people make them feel, right? right? And when people listen to the podcast, when they see me, when they hear me, they're, they're making a decision to work with me because of me, not because of the person that I have working with me, whether that's in India, Serbia, the Philippines, et cetera. Right. Um, however, much like you, Marcus, I'm trying to move myself, systemize the business mm -hmm. so I can move myself out as much as possible. But I found that there's certain roles that... I just, I just need to be involved in, especially yeah. on that trek to six figures. Mm -hmm. For sure. Right. The zero to 1 million is definitely the time you need to start tracking. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. And you know, you, there's certain, there's, there's certain quality control stuff that just seems to come, just continues to come up, especially with working on V with VAs, yeah. um, which I want to kind of talk to you a little bit more about that. Cause I, I love, I love the way this conversation is going. Um, VAs tend to be able to really execute at a high level when I give them a specific task to do. Yep. Um, but trying to think outside the box or trying to, to think like me, they, they tend to struggle with. Mm -hmm. um, also, you know, sometimes you know, like English is my first language. I've been speaking it well for a long time. A lot of VAs, they don't necessarily speak English as their primary language. Of course. And, or maybe they speak it well, but they have some. There's some tricky stuff with grammar and commas and when to put a question mark and stuff like it, like that in there. So mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm right now. I'm putting in systems where this end of day report, which is really smart. Mm -hmm. You know, let's get an end of day report. Let's have a weekly meeting um, yep. every Friday. I review all the the work that's coming out next week, mm -hmm. so that I can say, hey, going into weekend, this is the stuff that needs to be tweaked and adjusted. One hundred percent. So what are you, you, you've got the end of day report. Is there anything else that you do? Um, are there any other systems you have in place to make sure that the work that's being done by your, by your family, AKA mm -hmm. team is aligned with you and your direct family's goals? Yes. So we have something called a productivity tracker. 
Um, okay. So it's also within the end of day report. So what we do is we calculate the amount of minutes that it takes to get a job done or, or in general for the entire day. So, for example, let's say just throwing numbers out there, it takes 300 minutes to get X, Y, Z tasks done. We go, we calculate percentages, right? So what I mean by that is, let's say we have 300 minutes and it takes 250 minutes for them to get it done out of 300. So we like to, we like to say you have to stay above 90% productivity, right? And so what, what that does is if you can't finish something within a certain time, then we know that we need to adjust the number there. So that means that 300 might need to go to 325, 350. Mm. So it's, this is always a flexible number. The other thing that we do is let's say it's below the actual time, then we know, okay, this person was XYZ productive. At So, we, so to, to back up for a moment, we have something, we use a site called Time Clock Wizard, which this site uh, is very, very amazing. Um, you have they have to take a screenshot in order to even clock in like a face screenshot clock in and out excuse me and what happens is, is there in in time clock wizards you're able to um, they every 20 minutes you take a screenshot of their screen so we know that they're working and if not we don't so there's so there's like that is how we track and then the productivity is how we track and what happens is, is if a person is less than 300 minutes we look at those screenshots Okay, why did it take them less or why did it take them more? Right. And so we want to make it so it's between 90, 90 percent productivity, because let's be real. If we put it at 80 percent and people don't hit 80 percent, then they're really bad. That's like if we're grading wise, that's a C. So we always we always aim high, you know, reach for the stars and aim and, you know, we land on the moon type of vibe. Right. Type of thing. So that's kind of like another way that we track in regards to our VAs. What about positive incentive? Right. People tend right. to, I've, I've been, you know, leading teams here for the past, I don't know, 15, 20 years. And <laughs> no, I've, I've never met someone that likes their boss looking over their shoulder and tapping them saying, you know, <laughs> what, no what, you know, why are you browsing Instagram or whatever? Right. However, right. if you're two hands off, if you don't put any incentives in place, then it's like just nothing ever gets done. Exactly. So one of the things that I've started looking at is how can I put positive incentives in place? Is there anything that you're doing with your, uh, with your, with your family team to help, yeah, to help yeah. incentivize? So, so we have some, we have a recognition program, right? So, um, we, there's so many different ways you can recognize, which is a totally different topic. But what we do is we verbalize and give certificates and give company rewards, which is bonuses, cash, gift cards, whatever, to people who actually execute um, or hit a certain benchmark or they help us reach a certain milestone. So we do milestone and we do uh, immediate tasks, right? Consistently over time. So if let's say we reach 50K a month, um, which, uh, which is great because we've hit that. So I can tell you based off experience how we rewarded our team. You know, you hit 50K a month um, in, in revenue um, we would give bonuses to every single person within our company, a certain okay. amount of bonuses, right? So that incentivizes them. Oh, well, what if we hit a hundred K? What if we hit this? What if we hit that? So, um, what kind, what kind of happens is we just have a recognition program. You can use softwares like credit. I believe it's called credibly. There are a lot of softwares out there that do that specialize in recognition programs to build culture. 
So those that's kind of like ways that we reward people for doing certain things. And we also do it on calls. So we'll say, hey, uh, let people know that we'll say, hey, um, X, Y and Z person closed three thousand dollars today. Let's all clap for them. So then like it makes it such a big deal that, you know, and, and like and another thing that we do is notifications. So we have we use Discord and we zap, which is a totally different conversation. But what we do is we zap. Um, anytime someone purchases something, it sends a notification on Discord. So anytime there's payment, people will say, "Ooh, we got a, pro we got this, we got that," and it kind of like raves the chat, like so many different things. Right. So like those are ways that we kind of, um, kind of reward people if that makes sense. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. I really like the, the idea of setting like a monthly revenue goal, and if you hit it or if you go above it, everybody wins. I think yeah. that makes sense. And, and to your to your point, Marcus, everybody wants something. You know, everybody yeah. wants money, so the money's not a bad place to start. But everyone <laughs> wants something, so that could be recognition, cash. I think that's a really smart way of of keeping people incentivized. It makes a lot of sense to me. Um, while we're still on this virtual assistant track, one of the problems that I had early on in my journey when hiring virtual assistants is that I would I would hire a virtual assistant for one job and then I would try to shift them into another another role. And it's mm -hmm. like trying to fit a circle through a square. I think there needs to be some specialization. Yeah. I'm just curious. How does your how do you and your family how do you go about bringing on a new team member? What is that process? How do you find someone? How do you vet them? And how do you integrate them into your workflow? For sure. So there's a it's a, it's an extensive process. We vet heavily. So we go through, um, we actually have people that are designated. We call them, uh, just like how you have lead generators, um, lead generation, we have something called an application generation, right? Or an application generator, right? Which is people that specialize in certain platforms to bring people to our application. So we have people that specialize in Indeeds, people that specialize in online jobs that PH, people that specialize in those specific um, platforms. And what they do is they bring people to that application and from there um we vet them so we have something um where and this is like like a small tweak people don't usually do this i got this actually from uh ravi avu uh, avi ba avu bala or i said that abu vala that's how he said abu vala um he's a big systems guy and he said uh how he vets is he'll put in the age he'll say okay what's your age most people will put their age but what he'll do is put in fine print put below the number 42 that's what he does and so what he does there is like people who put their the, the number 42 are the people that ascend to the next step but the people who don't you know we'll hit them up later as a follow-up we'll kind of give them a second way to get in right but um people who put 42 is like the vetting process yeah. right the other way that we do that is screening interviewing we do uh skills test interviewing um and then we have a uh CEO interview and then we have a meet and greet interview right so a CEO interview is obviously meeting with the CEO meet and greet is the selection process right so um, we have like test assignments in between those um, each part of those interviews to make sure that that's the vetting is those specific uh, test assignments and then from there we make a decision on the selection process um, and then we onboard them and then we have something called like a five-day training um, and then from there, we ramp them in ongoing coaching from there and they're a part of the team. So like, that's kind of like the way that we, that we do it. It's very extensive, but it works. Well, I really like the idea of testing the attention to detail. Mm -hmm. 
Attention to detail is everything. Really? As, really as, a, as a business owner, it's, it's, I don't know. It's frustrating to have to like nitpick on the small things. Like, mm-hmm. let's just get it done the first time um, or the second time even. Yeah, for right? sure. Uh, so that's that's obviously a big deal. And so once you get these people and you vetted them and they get into your system, how are you are you onboarding them specifically into your company, social currency, mm-hmm. or are you helping match them with other business owners? I just I'm trying to flesh out, you know, how your how your company helps business owners. So both. So we have it for us, which is um, with the CEO interview. If it's for other people, we take out that CEO interview part and it just goes straight to the meet and greet. So how it works is we would go through that same process um, and then go to the meet and greet and then we'll give two three of the highest quality candidates and vetted candidates for the client and then they they interview them so that's kind of like a ceo interview if that makes sense so because uh, they're still meeting with the client which is the ceo right and so from there they there's the selection process they make a decision um and we make them we have them you know they have a choice either they can have a group interview or they can have it individually Right. It's up to them on how exactly they want to do it. We give them that option and then they go through the interview process and make a decision um, after the call. Or sometimes some people want to want a little bit more hands on and we'll give them maybe like a week or three days to a week of of a trial. Right. So they can see how they work within their business, because there are some some positions you can't really measure. um, You can't really quantify uh, if that makes sense. So you got to sometimes have them within your business and kind of tell like appointment setters for for an example, social media managers, for example, you can't really quantify. You have to know off of the work um, that is going on within your business. So those are kind of like ways that we um, help clients out, if that makes sense. It it, it doesn't. You know, I'm, I'm glad our conversation because our con- you're doing a lot of things, Marcus, our conversation could have gone a lot of ways. But I'm glad that we're focusing on this virtual assistant thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's it's a game changer. It's a game yeah. changer. You know, when I think about the way that my business has grown, I've spent tens of thousands of dollars on virtual assistants. I made a yeah. lot of mistakes. You know, it's it sounds easy, but it's 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 not always simple to incorporate and involve a virtual assistant in your business. I'm I'm very happy with the systems I have in place and the team that I have now. I have seven people working on my team, seven and a half. Not because it's half a person, but because they're kind of like a part-time, <laughs> part-time deal. Right, 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 right. I get it. The people on here wouldn't know, but I get it because I have a part-time as well. So I got you. Yeah. The, you know, but the thing is, again, like the goal with virtual assistants is, you know, to try to remove lots of work from my plate. But I feel like yeah. as my as, as my business grows, it's requiring more of me. So I I just love this idea of of systems and figuring out. And, you know, there's something I saw in a clip of yours, Marcus, uh, where you're talking about doubt. Yeah. Right. And I think any, you know, if you're if you're trying to get to your first six figure year, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dogs and cats, there are going to be doubts. You're going to face them every day. Every day. How do you how do you deal? How do you deal with that, Marcus? How do you handle the doubt? I, I go. I always have something in the back of my head and. I always like working out anything. I always do this. Uh, the times that I don't feel like doing it is the times that I really need to do it. Like, mm. though, that's kind of like what I say in my head every day that motivates me to continue to work. Um, it's just really that proverb, like the times that I don't feel like doing it is the times that I really need to do it. It's like the consistency aspect of um, the times that you actually become successful 
is the minute task that you do every single day and the habits you do every single day and the time that you actually blow up are usually the times that you don't feel like doing it or you're not even anticipating it to happen. So I just really go through that specific proverb and, and go through that. Um, that's how I do it. That's, it might I've be been, different for every person. Yeah, I feel like we're in a very similar space right now because I've been reading Atomic Habits by James Cleary. I think I mentioned earlier this episode. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's really what he talks book. about, right? Because if you're relying on getting up and working it just based on your motivation, you're not always going to be motivated. Agreed. I don't, I don't always feel like going to the gym at 8 a.m. to to work out, right? But if you can get into the habit, if you can institute and say, I do it when I don't feel like it, that's what separates the men from the boys, yeah, right? For the sure. male from the man. That's, that's the separator, um, yeah. but not always easy. And I think that's a, a big part of where you need to start looking at the people you're surrounding yourself with. Get the limiting beliefs out of your life because there are going to be limiting limiting beliefs. They are. You, I mean, you got it. It's it's an it's inevitable. I mean, your mind moves. You know what I mean? It does its own thing. So you kind of have to. Uh, you got to train. It's a muscle. You got to train your brain to not think of those things, or at least reduce it to as much as you can. Yeah. So I feel like I, I just got to train that muscle. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, I, have, I have another question for you before we get into the rapid fire here. But Marcus, I noticed that you're pretty active at conferences, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to conferences, you're going to events, seminars. What's your top tip for turning people that you meet into clients? What's your top tip for turning event and conference leads into clients? Easiest thing you can do is become a vendor. I mean, they're okay. looking to buy something. So, I mean, like, there's no there's no reason to try to be there. I mean, you can do it. You can be there at the conference, be general admission, be VIP, and try to sell someone off of a conversation. But there's no easiest way to convert somebody into clients than being a vendor. So I would say be a vendor and then actually create the environment that people want to sell or people want to buy something from you. So, like, that's that's my biggest tip. And then make it make engagement your highest priority. So at a vendor... We hosted a podcast at the actual event. Everybody, since podcast is big now, everybody wants to be a guest on a podcast. So what that does is it brings a crowd and then people then want to know what you do. So what we did is we created an environment for people to want to buy something from us. And so like that's kind of like a way that we uh, convert people from leads into clients or prospects into clients and events. I'll tell you what, I love the idea of recording at the event is a way of getting your name out there. I was at PodFest earlier this year. I set up a I little remote. I was yeah. upset I missed that. Dope event. You got to be there in uh, in January. Mm. But I set up like a little remote recording studio and I just recorded a bunch of people and I don't know, people recognize me now. It's pretty cool. It happens. Yeah. Uh, next month in October, um, depending on when this drops, I'll be at a couple events with all my recording equipment developing relationships with with people at a local event so i, I i'm with you there I, I mean listen i could go all day about the value of podcasting but i do like <laughs> right the, i think to me the one of the best things you can do when it comes to bringing on new clients is to make them feel important yeah. make your customer feel important make them feel special make them feel heard and yep. nothing does that better than putting them behind a microphone and let them talk about themselves. i'm sure you've been on dates before right <laughs> What's, what's one thing that every person wants to do on a date? Talk about themselves. Yeah. That's Literally. it. 
That's it. There might be other motivations too, right? But, right, right. Uh, of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the main motivation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I want to talk about myself. I want to, I want to, I want to make myself look good and sound good, and that's why I get all dressed right. up. I want to talk about myself. Look at me, right? So Absolutely. that's a skill. All right, cool. So, Marcus, uh, I'm going to get into the the rapid fire section. So get ready, buckle up, get your parachute ready. Uh, mm-hmm. Where's the best place for us to find you, Marcus? Uh, Instagram, YouTube, anywhere. Chart Slayer, anywhere you can find me. Chart Slayer, links below. Boom. Done. Got it. So, Marcus, are you ready? Rapid fire? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, cool. Let's rock out. Uh, what is the scariest movie you've ever seen? Uh, Haunting in Connecticut. Okay. That was ghost action. Got it. What? If you could be any animal, what would you be? I'd be a lion. Dig it. If you were on death row, what would be your final meal? Final meal, sushi or curry. One of the two. (laughs) One of the two. Okay. Dig it. Dig it. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would you live? I would live in Italy. Italy? Why Italy? Uh, I'm big on Leonardo da Vinci. So anywhere that he was inventing that energy that he is in, like, I would want to be where he's at. Okay. I visited Rome. Rome was one of my favorite cities to visit too. Super cool. One of the cool things at Rome is like you'll have, I mean, like you can eat at McDonald's right in front of the Pantheon, which is like thousands of years old. Crazy. I've never been, but I don't even need to go to know that I'd live there. So you're teaching me something right now. (laughs) (laughs) Super cool. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. It was like Starbucks in front of the, the, uh, the Coliseum, like it's wild. It's wild. I gotta see that. I gotta go. Yeah, yeah, definitely make that happen. Um, if you could sit next to anybody on the airplane, who'd you sit next to? Uh, Michael Jackson. Okay. Okay. Final question here for you, Marcus. If you had ten seconds with yourself ten years ago, what would you say? Work harder. Stop being lazy and do things you don't feel like doing. Marcus said it, and I agree with it. Marcus, thank you, brother. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate you. Hey, family. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. I really, really do appreciate it. So I get this question a lot of, hey, how do you get your family on board on everything that you're doing? Your family's everywhere. You're traveling everywhere. This brand of family is huge. And so I want to teach you guys how to create a family business and build a true legacy for your family. And in order to do so, if you want to learn exactly how I do that, I want you to check out socialcurrencies.net slash family actually book a call, see exactly how we can assist you in creating wealth for your entire family and breaking that generational curse. We are strongly against generational curses and we want to break generational poverty and build generational wealth and not just wealth, but true wealth. And so I want to help you guys go ahead, tap in again. The site is socialcurrencies.net slash family. And I will see you on the flip side.